0: You may be seated well for those of you who have been and have not been with us we are gonna be finishing up our journey through the book of Ephesians it's been a few years since we've been going through the book of Ephesians and now we find ourselves at the end of the journey and what I did was a summation uh, I summed up chapters 1 through 3 to kind of just give us a road map and a journey back into the book and just through the theme of love and power is showing the wonder and the beauty of God's love and his power as expressed through the gospel as seen in chapters 1, 2, and 3. And now we're going to sum up chapters 4 through 6, and then we'll be, we will be done with our journey. And I want to begin reminding us of what Pastor James preached on last week. and He talked about the changed life, the sanctified life. Paul actually paints this picture for this changed life that Pastor James talked about in the second half of Ephesians, beginning in chapter 4. He had given such a stunning picture in chapters 1 through 3 of of the vertical power and love of God that I preached on. And now we find ourselves in chapters 4 through 6, and he paints this beautiful mosaic of the changed life. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. And before we begin, if you will bow with me in prayer. Lord, there's nothing better than you. God, Holy Spirit, will you communicate that to our heart? At the deepest levels, That it might translate into the kind of transformed feeling, thinking, and doing that you have for us in Jesus. No matter where we find ourselves right now. Whether we are up or whether we are down or whether we are just in the middle. God, please, help us to see that there's nothing better than you. Holy Spirit of God, we know you are present. Grant us the grace to be present with you right now. Will you pray against every force that is arrayed against us to keep that from happening? We come against every force of the evil one to try to distract, to discourage, and to derail. We just command you right now, you have no place here based on our authority in Christ. And God, we pray that you would open every eye and every ear and allow for us to see just what you have for us in your word. We pray this not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The changed life. Every one of us, I'm sure, would agree that we all want the changed life. And if you will, I want you to imagine... What this life is as Paul unfolds it in the text in chapter 4 the changed life is the verse 2 kind of life of humility gentleness patience bearing with one another in love where unity is the hallmark of our relationships with each other Paul continues to paint this changed life picture in verse 25 where falsehood Gives way to truth where the Sun no longer goes down on our anger where thievery gives way to honest and hard work verse 26 where corrupt talk is replaced with the building up verse 29 where bitterness wrath anger slander are locked away and in place a kind of tender-hearted walk that builds others up that has the freedom of forgiveness, verse 32. Where sexual immorality, pornography, covetousness, immoral thoughts and actions, those things that are not to even be named among us, no longer are in the changed life, chapter 5, verse 3. Where crude and filthy joking are replaced by thanksgiving, chapter 5, verse 4. Where in chapter 5, your marriage, in the changed life, is characterized by a supernatural, sacrificial, God-picturing, metaphoric love. Where the parent and child relationship is founded and rooted on mutual respect, chapter 6, verses 1-4. through Where our working together, whether you find yourself in a position of leadership, or whether you are a follower... You find yourself understanding your place because each one whether the leader or the follower has one master and that is God in heaven you see what Paul is painting in the second half of the book of Ephesians is the changed life what I just described is a life that every one of us were designed and meant to live before the fall this is the water that we were designed, as Pastor James talked about last week, to swim in. What I just described is a life that if, if I were to ask every single individual under the sound of my voice, if you could be more patient, if you could be more kind, if you could have more love, if you could have, if you could have more content, if, if you could live in a space where you're not dealing with corrupt talk and sexual sin, if you could find yourself in that place where you're not coveting and you're actually content with where you are, every single one of us I'm sure would agree we want that life. That's the changed life. And this is a life that Paul describes. But here's the trick. Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. The trick is we have to walk out this changed life. In verse 24, he says it in another way, and to put on the new self. Everybody say new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness see the trick in order to step into this changed life that every single one of us have we we have to put on the new self he says it again in a different kind of way in chapter 5 verse 1 when he says therefore be imitators everybody say imitators of God as beloved children and walk there's that word again walk in verse 2 and then in chapter 5 verse 15 he he says in another way he says look carefully then how you what's that word everyone again everybody say walk you see, you got to walk this changed life. But if you're like me and, 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 and you hear that description of, of the changed life, and, and then you hear Paul telling you that you've you got to imitate it, you got to walk it, you've you got to put it on, it sounds nice, but it's better, easier said than done. And here's the frustration, as Pastor James shared last week. Many of us are experiencing what is called the sanctification gap. You see, this life that I just described to you, that that Paul is articulating in chapter 4 and chapter 5, it's one that we want to live. It's one that we perhaps are striving after. But there's a gap between our experience and reality. And if anything, many of us may find ourselves on the other side of this changed life. That's the chapter 4 Verse 17, now this I say and testify in testifying to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. He says in verse 19, he describes the other side of the changed walk, the one that's outside of Christ, in sensuality, greed, and impurity. Verse 19, living in dishonesty. You see, if we're honest, maybe that's where we find ourselves, on the other side of the changed life. And I know we're trying hard, but maybe we find ourselves in anger right now. Maybe there's an area in your life where the anger just continues to stew, where where the bitterness just continues to reside, where the envy is just constantly resonating, where where the discontent just remains. You see, that's the other side of the changed life. That's the life where the Gentiles walk, where chapter 5, verse 11, he says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. See, that's that other place. The other side of the changed life—that is the life of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You see, Paul is telling us you can't walk there anymore. You got to imitate Christ. You got to put that off, and you got—you got to put on the new identity. But like Pastor James said, sometimes we try so hard, and after all of the effort, we find ourselves just resigned. But the simple fact that maybe this Christian life, this changed life, as hard as I'm working it, I still find myself in the sins that I constantly traffic in. And so maybe I can just resign to the fact that maybe this changed life isn't really something that works. Or maybe because we got to feel something like Pastor James talked about last week. We just say, you know what, instead of jumping into this changed life because I've been trying so hard, why don't I just numb myself? And so I walk like the Gentiles walk in the sins that that I'm already trying so hard to move away from. Or maybe some of us are just fighting to appease God. Because we're not living this changed life, but we're going to do all the religious things. We're going to read our Bibles, we're going to go to church, we're we're, going to pray, we're going to do all the things that Christians are designed to do, but we're doing it out of an effort and a desire to assuage our guilt and our shame because we aren't living that changed life like we know we ought to. You see, Paul is talking about it in the second half of the book of Ephesians, the thing that Pastor James preached about last week, the changed life. And I want to ask you this question, where is your area where you're desiring that God would change you? I want you to name it. I do this all the time. I want you to identify it. Every single one of us here in this room right now has that place where we want to step out of this non-changed life, and step into this changed life. What is that for you? As was shared last week, for me, it's that low hum. That low hum of anger. It's just always there, resonating. Constant. Young people, my middle schoolers, a high school. What is the thing that you want to see change? That area in your life, maybe, where you're trying to hide things from mom and dad. I know how that is. I was there once. Amen. Hang on young people. I ain't going to get no amens on that one. Huh? Uh-huh. Where you're arguing and fighting with your siblings, tempted to cheat on those tests, following the wrong crowd. Your mantra is that song that they used to sing a long time ago. I don't think it was too long. I wish that I could be like the cool kids, be like the cool kids, like the cool kids. And that's your motivation. You want to be accepted by your peers. To find your identity in what you wear, the tech gear that you have. If you could have these many followers. Or these many likes. Acceptance and approval for this young generation is what matters most. I want to be in the inner circle. Maybe that's where you find yourself, young or old. What is your vice, young or old? What is your hum? Mine is anger. Maybe yours is bitterness. Maybe yours is envy. Maybe it's discouragement or discontent. Where is your hum? And here's the reality. What Pastor James preached about last week, we all want. But here's what we know. You need a power beyond you to experience the change that you long for. Amen? It's going to take a power that can move you past your feeble efforts of the will to try to get past some of the vices and the hums in your life that continue to remain. And it has to be a power that hits the heart because trying to will it is not gonna work the hidden heart And what's interesting about the book of Ephesians is that that's exactly what Paul knows we've seen it in both of his prayers after he articulates the love and power of God in each of his prayers you know what he prays for he prays for love power and the heart Ephesians 118 having the eyes of their what? Hearts enlightened That's where you need to hit if you're gonna get changed that they may know what is the hope to which they have been called What about Ephesians 3 16 the second prayer in Ephesians? That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with what? everybody say it power Where? Through his spirit in the what? Inner being. So what Paul is praying for you is, then right after that prayer, then he says in chapter 4, verse 1, what? Walk. Walk. You see, you can't walk unless you get chapter 3, verse 16 answered in your life. You need power at the heart level. And what is the heart? The heart is the place of the desires, the affections. It's your executive center. It's the thing that drives everything else. Your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and your actions are driven by your executive center, the heart. If you can get to the heart, everything else that you desire to change will flow from that. Isn't that what Jesus said? For from the heart come evil thoughts. From the heart, come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false witness slander these are what defile a person they all come from here and uh, and and again y'all i'm gonna be teaching today is that all right i'm gonna be teaching today because again here's the reality we can have all these pie in the sky ideas but at the end of the day we got to get down to the brass tacks of the things that we need to come to see understand and engage in so we can experience change. We have to know first where. Where? Heart. And what needs to be applied to your heart, your desires? Power. That's what Paul prayed twice. And what's interesting about the background of Ephesians is that's exactly what the Ephesian church wanted to experience. You see, the Ephesian church, if you understood the background, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it, I wanted to, but in their former life, they used magic to harness power. They used incantations, amulets, curses, invocations, various things of the spiritual realm in order to enact the kind of change that they wanted to see in the lives around them. That's the context of the Ephesian church, that's the context of the city of Ephesus. It was one of the most magical if you will cities in all of the roman empire and so here you had a church that was saying we want to experience power we heard this thing called the gospel the question is is does it have more power than the magic and the spiritual beings that we've been looking to that are outside of christ that's why i'm really understanding why paul focused so much in the book of ephesians on power so here's the question for us this morning where is the power to change that's the that's the million dollar question whatever your vice is wherever you want to see god change wherever you want to step out of the old stuff and step into the new stuff the question is Where is the power to walk in the change that every one of us wants well if we look back at chapter 3 verse 16 it gives us the answer that according to the riches of his glory that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his what everyone spirit The way that you get to the inner being is through the power that comes via the Holy Spirit. There's the power for heart change that's going to empower chapters 4 and 5, the new life. All of those areas that you see in chapter four, where he talks about the new life in verse 17, where you no longer walk this way, but you walk the other way, where you're walking in contentment, where you're walking in honesty, where you're walking in in peace instead of anger, when you're walking in these areas, you gotta have the Spirit. And this is Second Corinthians three seventeen, where the Spirit of the Lord is. We heard this last week. There is what freedom Okay, let's pause. Let's think about that Where the spirit of the Lord is there's what? freedom Freedom for what pastor James talked about it. freedom to live the life that Paul is describing the new life the life of joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and that's the life that if all of us were living that right now would we be happy people Would you be a happy person if you were living that kind of life right now amen that's that life now what the text is saying in second corinthians is where the spirit of the lord is there's freedom to live in that kind of a changed life so here's the question that i asked myself as i was preparing this message where then is the spirit if you're going to get the change and you don't want to be covetousness and and envious anymore then you got to be where the Spirit is. So that's when I started looking at Ephesians. Because if Paul is telling us we have to be changed at the heart level, that we need power, and that the Spirit is the agent of power for the change at the heart level, then Ephesians must give us places where the Spirit of God is so that we can have the power to change. And so that's where we're going to go. Where is then the Spirit? If we can get into proximity and in presence of the Spirit, He can then hit our hearts, and then we can experience change. First, first place of the Spirit, and this gets kind of practical, I think, at least for me. Where can you find the Spirit? First, the Spirit for the power at the heart level change is unleashed when you exercise your gifts first one that sounds a little odd maybe you've never heard that chapter 4 again what is chapter 4 first discussing at the very beginning verse 1 he talks about walking in a manner worthy so he's talking about this changed life right then what does he then talk about he then tells us in verse seven of chapter four but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of christ's gift verse eight therefore it says when he ascended on high he led a host of captives and he gave gifts everybody say gifts to men that verse right there is actually a reference to Psalm 68 again this is tripping me out because I'm seeing power all over the place Psalm 68 is actually a psalm about power it's a prayer that God the divine warrior will manifest his power and his strength for his people and defeat Israel's enemies so it's all about power so Paul is trying to say God in Christ is the example of psalm 68 it's depicting god as the powerful god who comes in and thwarts the enemies now here's a question paul is now alluding this to christ now who was our enemies in christ the world the flesh and the what and the devil those are our enemies so just as the divine warrior took over the enemies of israel in psalm 68 in the same way Christ has captured a host of captives, verse 8. And those captives are principalities, powers, rulers. These things are the enemies of your change. You realize the devil doesn't want you to change, right? You realize that every single day you have forces that are arrayed against you to keep you in that sexual immorality to keep you in that covetousness, to keep you in that envy, to keep you in that discontent. And here's what happens. In verse 8, what is being described is that Jesus, after he took care of death, hell, and the grave, and he rose, ascended all the way to the heavenly places, Defeating his enemies, and it says, and he sat down. He gave gifts to his people. So the moment he rose, defeated death, hell, and the grave, defeated every principality and power, what did he do? He gave gifts. Now, is there a connection between gifts and change? Well, look at verse 11. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the what? Building up of the body. Verse 13. Until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son, to what? Mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in other words what that's saying is the gifts were designed to bring you to maturity the gifts were designed after Jesus rose defeated his enemy he gave gifts to the church so that the church could grow up into mature manhood and then look at verses 15 and 16 Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. Every joint. Do you see the connection? The church, the church, every joint. You're a joint. You're a joint. You're a joint. If you're in Christ, you're a joint. All of these joints, right, with which it is equipped when each part, each part, is working properly does what? Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, let me ask you this question Who gives the gifts? The Spirit. They're called spiritual gifts. They are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And each one of you, if you're in Jesus right now, you have a measure of gifting that God has given to you, you, you for the building up of this body. Which means they are designed to bring about transformation to his bride. When you step into your measure, now watch this. In other words, when you step into your God-given gifting, whether you're, if you're 15 right now, 10 years old right now, 11 years old right now, if you're in Jesus, you realize you have a supernatural gift. Every one of us has a gift. And here's what happens. When the gifts flow in the church, the spirit is released. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? freedom Again, if you want to get changed, you got to go where the power is and where's the power the power is via the holy spirit And how does the spirit come in the body in order to build it up and mature it into love? Gifts in other words I need you using your gift to release the power that comes through the spirit for me to experience change And one other thing that the gifts do in the church as an aside is in verse 9 of chapter 4. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And I talked about this last week. When Jesus went up into heaven... And he sat down because he had destroyed death, hell, and the grave. He gave gifts to the church. And once he gave gifts to the church, he descended into the underworld or the lower regions. And he basically did a victory lap. And he walked around all the captives, all the demonic forces, all the evil forces. And he basically told y'all, y'all lost. Every force that was arrayed against humanity now in me is now totally nullified. I have all authority over all y'all when I cracked that grave open. So here's what happens. I need you to hear this. Realize, this is why the church is so important as the church gathered. Whenever you exercise your gifts, Whenever we exercise our gifts, right now, as I'm standing here with my gift of teaching and preaching, you know what it's doing? It is declaring to every evil force that's been arrayed against you and the world that they lost. You don't come to church to make yourself feel better about the fact that you got to do better before God. The church is powerful. The devil hates when you use your giftings. The devil wants sideline Christians. You ever wonder why there are so many challenges always when it comes to the church? Why it's so hard for the church to gather? Church, I'm going to ask you, are you exercising your gifts here at Living Way Community Church? every time we step into our gifts the devil gets shamed he gets reminded all over again and imagine just churches all across the city imagine churches right now all across the world that are using their giftings for this they must be like ah I can't stand the noise it is a declaration A release it is a megaphone to the spiritual forces that are arrayed against your change that you lost whenever you step into your giftings whenever the church corporate steps into its giftings it is a reminder that we are no longer under the bondage that the devil says that he wants us to be in that 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 the area where you think can't change it actually can change because the gifts are a declaration that you don't have to be where you are right now that's why you're so important it's not because we need more volunteers come on y'all being able to use your gift to declare to the spiritual realm that Christ reigns that's why you exercise your gifts because every time you use it it is a demonstration of the fact that you, do you realize what it took for him to give you your gifts The only reason you got him is because he had to whoop every principality, power, ruler, the flesh, the world, and devil all day long. And my question is, do you see the primacy of the church in your transformation? Do you see the primacy of the church in your transformation? If you don't use your gifts, I don't change. Ooh. No, no, no. It's not just all on me. It's on you that I change. It's on me that you change. That's why me being a preacher and a pastor is bigger than just something I want to do. Because it's not about me. God gave me this gift for the sake of his body. Because if I don't do what I do, you don't change. Secondarily, the Spirit is released when the gifts, the second proximity to the Spirit, the Spirit is released in corporate worship. Look at chapter 5. Chapter 5, starting at verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Again, we're talking about walking. We're talking about changing. We're talking about living that kind of life that, 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 that changed life. And I want you to just notice carefully that we're kind of right in the middle of chapter 5, verse 15 is. And verses 15 through 21 are positioned right before chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, which talks about walking in love. And then verses 22 through the rest of the chapter is all about the relationships that are supposed to have a transformed vision. Marriage, parenting and child, and then um, worker-follower relationships. So in other words, here again, Paul is placing right in the middle, where's the power to be able to do verses 1 through 11? And then where's the power for your marriage? Verse 22. Where's the power for your parental relationships? Where's the power for working employer-employee relationships? So the position, I think, is very vital. And now look at verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the what? spirit okay so in other words again if i want to walk that changed life then what do i need i need the what spirit because the spirit is power and where the spirit is there is freedom so i need to get the spirit so then here's my next question and it gets really practical here if i use my gifts and the corporate church does that the spirit is released that's heart change for me and i grow grow tr- gradually here's how you get the spirit verse 19 and that that word there can be a buy in there do not get drunk with thine be filled with the spirit by addressing one another in psalms hymns spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord in your heart giving thanks everybody say give thanks always and for everything to god the father in the name of the lord jesus christ submitting everybody say submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, in other words, what Paul is saying here, in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what do you have? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, genesis. You have all of the changed life that is at your disposal when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So, then my question practically has been, how can I get filled with the Spirit? Is it just this, you know, I get the goosebumps and then it's woo woo, like, what do I do? Where do i go this is very practical he gives three buys the first way you get filled with the holy spirit verse 19 is by addressing one another in psalms hymns spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord with your heart in other words the way you get into proximity with the holy spirit that has power to impact your heart so you can step into the kind of change that you want to is be in corporate worship singing in melody with other people for the sake of the glory of God in Christ do you understand the kind of power that is right now there is a special presence of the Holy Spirit when God's people stand up and sing together. Again, there are some people who need to be on live stream, no guilt or shame, but you can't get that on live stream. You can't get that just listening to a blog. You can't get that in your own little quiet time when you sing it, hallelujah by yourself in the car. There is a special manifestation of the Holy Spirit that transforms the body of Christ that can only happen when we gather together and sing I don't care if you sing out of tune it's all good I don't care if you can't hold a note that's not what the scriptures say is a prerequisite if you are tone-deaf keep singing brothers and sisters some of us just got to sing a little bit louder cover that up we praying for Pastor James. You know I'm about to get on you, dog. The Spirit moves when God's people corporately come together around His Word and sing. You think I'm lying? Acts chapter thirteen, verse two. It was during a time where they were worshiping. It says that the spirit said to them you see the connection they were worshiping and the spirit said to them set a, set a, um set apart to me barnabas and saul that's huge do you understand what what happened in that moment to set apart barnabas Saul was is paul the greatest evangelist missionary the world has ever known and where did that happen in corporate worship Come on, man. When you guys come on Sunday, please sing. Get your hearts prepared to encounter the living God and together sing. You want more of the Holy Spirit in your life. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to experience His power in those areas where you need change. Don't just come and be halfway here and halfway gone. Show up early. Show up in a time and a place where you can set your heart and prepare yourself. And again, it's not about just me, it's about us. Again, I love the me songs, but some of our worship songs need to say us in them. Thank you for saying us this morning, baby girl. Straight up. Show us your glory. And here's the reality. When you sing, it's not just about you. When you come on Sunday, I want you to sing thinking about the person to your right and to your left. I don't know how many times when I've heard people sing, it ministers to my soul. When I hear you singing, there's a special manifestation of the Holy Spirit that erupts when we come together in corporate worship. The second, by, the way you get the Holy Spirit, by singing, corporate worship. Second, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You see, ingratitude is a symptom of a myopic soul that has attached itself on cravings that are outside of God. Thanklessness, whenever you're thankless, is a siren that alerts us to the fact that we're not seeing His mercies like we should. Ingratitude is a gauge of the human soul. It helps us to see that we're not seeing grace like we ought. To be thankless is a signpost that you've lost sight of the glory and wonder and splendor of what you have in Jesus. Ingratitude is the accent of hell's language because ingratitude is how creatures of pride respond to the creator's decisions. Some of you guys may not like the decisions that God has placed in your life right now. Is it just me? I ain't going to lie. I'm struggling. There's some things right now that are going on in my life that I'm having a hard time being thankful for. Grumbling and scorning what God has put on my plate. That is the voice of the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's the voice of the world that is ruled by the prince, the power of the ear, Ephesians chapter 2, ingratitude. And its citizens speak its official language. And what does it require for us to step out of ingratitude and And to be thankful, seeing differently. I got to see differently. We could change the words of the song, prone to grumble, Lord, I feel it. Prone to scorn the God I love. Here's my eyes, oh, take and peel it till I see the grace above God, I need you to peel that ingratitude away. Here's a question. How does the Spirit of God do that through you? I need you to remind me how much I have to be thankful for. Come on, let's be honest. Isn't it hard to kind of sit down by yourself when you're really not thankful for where you are? And just kind of talk to yourself about being thankful, or is that just me? Do I sh- that? That's a struggle. I'm not thankful right now. Oh no, no, you got to be thankful. No, 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 yo, you got to be thankful. No, I'm not thankful. This sucks. No, 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 you can't think that way. Come on, man, it feels schizophrenic when you remind me of all that I have in Jesus, when you remind me of Ephesians chapter 1, that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that you're chosen, redeemed, forgiven, loved. Man, Ray, I'm telling you, you got more in Jesus. You can imagine. These are light momentary afflictions compared to the eternal weight of glory that you're going to have in Jesus. When you're pouring those things on me, the Spirit ignites. You want to get filled with the spirit? Step into thanksgiving corporate style. You see, the church is more powerful than we realize. This is why the devil loves to make us minimize it. And then the third way we get filled with the spirit, corporate worship, thanksgiving. So the thanksgiving is verse 20. The corporate worship, verse 19, verse 21, chapter 5, submitting to one another. That's corporate submission. You notice it's one another. That's corporate. He gives three ways that we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And corporate submission is another one. And I'll just say this because I don't have a whole lot of time. What does it look like that he's talking about? Chapter 5, he then breaks it down. What is it? What is marriage chapter 5 verse 22 the roles that God has designed for marriage when you walk out and live out those roles husband and wife in that in that in the mutual submission of those roles the Spirit of God ignites in your marriage roles matter Ooh, when I saw this in a text it's not arbitrary you will not get the measure of the Holy Spirit that you want if you're not walking in the roles that God designed in your marriage so you better learn them in chapter 5 if you want the spirit in your marriage children he gives a second relationship children obey your parents fathers don't provoke if you want the Spirit of God in your relationship with your kids step into Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 and live that out in the way that he's calling and the Spirit of God will fill you kids honor your parents you want to feel power you want to experience God's power man just honor mom and dad don't talk back just say yes mom yes dad when you honor your mom and dad there is a blessing that comes with that. Fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger. Parents, don't move in these ways that just provoke them. When we live out the roles of parenthood, the Spirit of God manifests and fills us. And then lastly, he talks about leader and follower. The roles of leader and follower, those matter. He talks about servant And bond servants. When we walk out our roles, whether it be even in the church. I'm a leader. You guys are followers. When the church operates in the way that it's designed to in those types of relationships, certain you guys are leaders in ministry. Some of you guys are following in those ministries. Whatever it may be. When we operate with this kind of attitude, chapter 6, if you don't know what I'm talking about, chapter 6. Right, where he talks about in verses 5-9, through nine, the bondservant, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would with Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. When you operate that way, when you guys do ministry, do ministry that way. Not to please men, not to, please, not to, not to get attention, but just for the sake of God and the glory of his name and the goodness of what he's done. When you operate that way and you render service with a good will, verse seven, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, verse eight. There's a promise, verse nine. Masters, you do the same. Stop threatening, knowing that he is both your master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality. When we operate that way in those relationships that all of us have in leader and follower relationships, and we take that perspective, the spirit comes. It's very practical. You want more of the Spirit that can hit the heart, to hit your change, you gotta what? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? By coming to church on Sunday and worshiping. That's pretty practical, amen? You want some more change? Get your butt here, that's, that's what Paul is saying. And get, your, and get your sing on, that's it. Secondarily, get get in, you gotta be in with one another. You gotta be in a small group, you gotta be in a D.C. So that when I'm struggling with thankfulness, You're close enough to me. You know my life. I know yours, so you can speak Thanksgiving into my life. Then the Spirit of God can fill me up. And then lastly, live out the roles that God has called in marriage, in parenting, and in life. When these are present, the Spirit fills. And now last. Last. So again, just to recap, where's the Spirit? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. Spirit is in the corporate body of the church when it's exercising its gifts. The spirit is, is in corporate worship. It's in thanksgiving. It's in relationships the way God's designed it. Lastly, the way you get the spirit is in chapter 6. It's unleashed through the armor. And this is where we talked about spiritual warfare as I give you my last point. And we saw in chapter 4, verse 6, that the devil has one objective. He wants to get a tapas. Remember that word? He wants to get a space. He wants to get a place in your life where he can control you and lead you down the path of destruction. And he uses our traumatic events, and he uses the desires in our hearts, and he targets our minds with ideas. And images that are not true of who and what God is for us in Christ. And the moment he has our mind, and the moment he uses these powerful images and ideas, they influence us and they move us into darkness. That's his approach. But in chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, finally. So he's, he's, he's like, now we're about to land the plane. And how does he end it? with power this is why i keep talking about power it's i'm seeing it all through the book of ephesians finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil he tells us to walk in the strength and might of jesus Verse 10 is telling us that in Christ, we have his might. It's his armor. And he articulates it in verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints that armor that was just articulated and I kind of shared this, we, you know, we were grow. if you grew up in the church, um, they always gave the symbol of Roman armor, and that's totally not the kind of armor that Paul has in mind here. Um, when I was in Sunday school, the little felt, those little felt boards, they, had, they were like, you know what I'm talking about? They, kinda, they, like they kind of, they like were a carpet. Like, you know what I'm saying? And you put them things on there, and they would stick, You're like, dang, how do things stick up there, man? All right, and they would put all the little Roman armor up there. Um, what Paul is envisioning here is actually God's armor. Isaiah 11 chapters 1 through 5, and you see the connection to Ephesians 6, 14, where God's armor in Isaiah 11 is described as, and his waist was belted with righteousness, and his loins were bound up with truth. You see, that armor that you got ain't that little rinky-dink Roman felt board armor. And I know I messed up some of y'all's Sunday school experience just now because y'all always thought it was, I know y'all got dressed up with the armor. How many of you guys got, got dressed up in the armor? For, come on, man. Come on, dog. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just me. What Paul is trying to envision here is that this is an armor that actually belongs to Christ it is the actual armor that is God's the same armor is ours the same sword that Christ used when he whooped on the devil in the wilderness and triumphed over his temptation is the same sword that you got the same belt of truth that Jesus used To whoop Satan when he tried to use Peter to embrace a lie is yours in Christ the same breastplate of righteousness that Jesus used to walk in love and joy peace and patience even in the midst of his storms even when death was chasing him down is yours in Christ the same shield of faith that empowered Christ to walk through the gates of Gethsemane and walk down the crossroad trusting his father was loving him and that there was a joy set before him that was worth going down the cross world is yours in christ the same helmet of salvation that the name that marks jesus is the same name that is also on your name in salvation in him the same access in prayer that Christ had to the father who hears every word and only gives good things to his son is yours in Christ Jesus if you look at Jesus and the way he lived his life and the way he walked he walked with the armor he lived with the armor and the moment that he died on the cross rose from the dead he seated us Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 with him in the heavens, therefore, the authority that belongs to him has been given to us, and all the things that belong to him in Christ is now ours in Christ Jesus. And the thing is, I see the spirit in every single piece of the armor the belt of truth, the spirit is called the spirit of truth, John chapter 16, verse 13, the breastplate of righteousness. He is the one who brings us into our understanding of righteousness, John 16, 9 through 11. The helmet of salvation. This is talking about present tense salvation. I I didn't get a chance to get into that in Ephesians. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. That's the sanctification part of our salvation. And that sanctification part, the helmet of salvation, that salvation aspect is via what? The Holy Spirit we saw that last week it's called the sword of the what spirit the shield of faith Galatians 3 5 says did you not receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith faith and the spirit ride together and then he ends it off by saying praying in the spirit which is Romans 8 15 To pray in the spirit is the kind of prayer that desires Abba in his nearness. It rests in your sonship. And it desires to have the right attitudes, beliefs, and desires that God has. That you can't utter, but deep down inside, if you could pray what you really want to pray, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know how you're praying But then there's things deep down that you know you ought to pray and you want to pray, but you don't know how to pray those things deep down because those desires for what God truly has for you, even though what you see out there doesn't look like what you want to have for you, but deep down the Spirit is just constantly groaning, saying, I know you want this down there. Those kind of prayers are the groanings that only come from the Holy Spirit, the ones that you can't utter. You see where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And where is the spirit? That's the key question, church. I don't want you to forget this as I end the book of Ephesians. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you want more freedom, you have to be where the spirit is. Do we know where the spirit is? At least the book of Ephesians has helped us see that. Amen? The Spirit is in the exercise of the corporate church using its gifts. If you have a gift of mercy, that releases a Spirit into my life when you use that to show mercy to me. If you have the gift of helps and, you, and you're helping put all of this stuff together, our ops team, God bless you guys. You guys put this stuff together every single week. That releases the spirit when you step into your gift of help. You got the gift of administration? Oh, man, we need gift of administration people. I, I need it sorely. Wow. We need somebody right now. Anybody got the gift of administration? I'm just David. Uh, oh, there, uh, you pointed that way. I'm like, Dave. wait. Every single gift, you got the gift of prophecy, the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of preaching, teaching. Whenever the church corporate lives in that space, it releases the spirit amongst the body and we mature, we change, we change. But not only that. What I love about it is it's a constant reminder to that devil that he lost. It's a declaration when the church constantly does that. It's a declaration you lost. You're under judgment. Our God is king because these gifts are evidence. They are evidence, constant, in your face, which means you aren't bound by the evil one anymore, and you're free to experience the kind of change that only Jesus can give. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And where is the Spirit? Where is He at? He's in the praises of His people. When we praise, when we sing, when we shout together with one voice, the Spirit of God lands. Pastor James and I were talking about this, and uh, we were mentioning... This feeling of just the spirit and how it, it shapes you, it changes you and how we enjoy that so much and we talked about retreats isn't it at retreats that we usually experience profound measures of encounter with God or is that just me Have you ever wondered why? You want to know why? Because it's the church gathered for a long time. And we're singing together. We're hearing the word preached together. We're sitting down eating meals and and learning how to experience Thanksgiving together. We're learning about our relationships and how they ought to look together. And you walk around, and we call it a mountaintop what? Experience. That doesn't have to be something that is uncommon. We can constantly have these kind of encounters. Because here's what happens. When we're in corporate worship, when we're thanksgiving, when we're in mutual submission in our roles and relationships... And when we're putting on the armor of God, when we're putting on the armor, and I wish I had time to kind of break that down. I'm just out of time. In each of those spaces, we're beholding the glory of the Lord. And that's why we're transformed, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, through the Spirit. Well, Ephesians was a great book. And I hope that you were blessed in the ways in which I was. And I pray that you never lose sight of the wonder and the vision that we gained in this book. One thing that struck me as I was finishing up is just the primacy of the church. Primacy of the church. I'm gonna say this if you didn't remember anything else I said today, you can't have the measure of the Spirit that's needed to truly experience the new life without us. I need you to hear that. That's not heresy, there's only so much of the Holy Spirit that you can get outside of the church. You ever wonder why church attendance is so challenging? You ever wonder why church hurt keeps people from the church? Personal preferences, church disagreements, COVID. That was straight the devil. Because churches were hurting after COVID, and we're still feeling the impact where I asked you what your low hum was as I said mine is anger what's your low hum that area in your life where you want to see change that you're not experiencing change to the degree and the level that you desire I want to encourage you keep being in the places where the spirit flows. Just be in the arenas. And do it for no other reason than the simple fact that you can't do it in your own strength. And when you get to that place of surrender, those arenas will be a place that you desire to be in. And they won't become chores but passions Because see, when you get more of the Spirit, young people, you don't have to be like the cool kids. Because you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, young people, you are the cool kids. Amen? Because the cool kids are chosen, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, loved. You have an inheritance in the heavens. There is nothing more cool than that. I don't care if you got the latest iPhone, dude. They can't touch it. So if mom and dad ain't giving you an iPhone, give them a break. You got more that you need and could ever have in Jesus. And when you get more of the spirit, church, you will find yourself changing. It's a supernatural act. I can't tell you how it happens. All I'm telling you is This is the way God has prescribed it. I just broke down the prescription. He said, look, you got to have power in the heart. It comes through the spirit. So the question is, where do we get the spirit? In all the places that Paul articulated. And if you just keep being consistent and asking God for the grace to be in those places where the spirit is, you'll be different. I know sometimes it's hard. When you look at yourself, you wonder, man, I just wish I was farther along than I am. Sometimes it's good to think about who you were 10 years ago. Husbands, wives do that to your spouses. I know sometimes you tell them, you ain't never going to change. You go all the same. You didn't ever look good. No, she's different. He's different. And you can't really explain it. But I can guarantee you this, it's because you've been where the Spirit resides. And if you just keep being in those places, he's going to continue to make all things new. Trust me. So I want to encourage this prayer as I close. I want to encourage you to pray for yourself, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Just make this your prayer for 2023, that God would grant you be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner being. I want you to take whatever that thing is that you want to see change for. Because that's what Paul does. Paul actually pray; He just prays for it. He says, God, I can't do it. I'm just going to pray this for them. So I want you to pray that for yourself and I want you to pray that for the person sitting next to you. Ephesians 3.16. Just the next 30 seconds I want you to pray. Will you grant that person strength with power through his spirit in the inner being and take whatever that area that you want changed before the lord and i'll close it God we in Ephesians Lord with that prayer each person under the sound of my voice was to experience change the low hum or the high resonating reverberating area of needed change whatever the tone Holy Spirit of God will you strengthen each of my brothers and sisters with power through your spirit in their inner being God will you hit the heart level the place Lord of the hidden heart where the glacier resides the bottom level where the beliefs and the desires are are out of sync with what is true of them in Christ. God, please, Holy Spirit of the living God, will you touch that place right now? Open the eyes of their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.